0: I think I'm up here to preach today, right? <laughs> no, I could though. I can't preach. No, uh, we had a wonderful healing school yesterday and we met a young man from Minnesota and he's an anointed young man and he is going to bless us with his piano expertise. Give a big hand for David Hughes. <laughs>
1: Thank you, David. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Praise the King. Amen. Praise the Lord. David came down from Minneapolis with his mother and dad because he's had a lifelong problem, and he came to get healed. He'd not been without pain for a long, long time, but he came expecting to get healed. And already I told him when I prayed for him last night, I said, I'm going to guarantee you God's going to heal you. It's a done deal. I'm going to read a verse to you to show you what God says. I want to show you something here. This is why a lot of people don't get healed. I'm going to take some testimonies in just a moment. But I want you to listen to what I'm going to read to you. This book is an owner's manual from the king of the universe. And it means exactly what it says. And he'll do exactly what he said. I have seen him do that over and over and over in my life, as uh, being raised up in a Baptist church and, and not really knowing that God meant what He said in His Word, I never saw God do a miracle or a healing, and I really didn't expect it. But I'm so grateful that 1977, the King of the Universe spoke to me in an audible, audible voice for the first time and began to share with me that He meant what He said in this book. Amen. And so it began to build my faith to a new level, and from 1977 until now, which has been about 30 years, It seems like yesterday. Uh, I have increased in faith every year, and the last ten years, my faith has gone off of the scale. You know, I've stepped into a new world, and I have seen God do awesome things, I mean awesome things, beyond my wildest dreams. But I'm going to show you something in Psalms 84, verse 9. I want to show you, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Father, in Jesus' name, as we read your word, we're about your business here. This church belongs to you. You're our Lord and our God and our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our provider. And I rebuke the enemy and command him not to blind our minds, our hearts with a single word. But Lord, that your Holy Spirit may convict us of the sins where we live so we can get rid of them, so we can receive our healing. I thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalms 84 9. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day, for a day in your court is better than a thousand. Day in your court. To spend one day with God is better than a thousand anywhere else. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, I've often thought about those people. That the Lord talks about in his word when he says, They are saved as by fire. I used to not understand what that meant, but I now understand it. There is people that have walked down an aisle that have made Jesus Savior. That never made him Lord. They never read his word. They didn't believe him. And one day they will stand before him, and they grumbled and complained about everything while they were here on earth. And he cut their lives short, and it was in sickness and pain and everything else. And when they showed up at the courts of heaven, he looked at them and he said, You don't get a single crown. You didn't do nothing for me on earth. You did it all for yourself. You're going to get to come in, but you're going to be saved only as by fire. And I thought, Goodness. But now I understand even those people are going to be super blessed. Just think it would be better to be a doorkeeper. How would you like to be a toilet cleaner in heaven? Well, let me tell you, that's going to be better than being a general in hell. You know, I don't want nothing to do with the flames of fire, do you? But let me tell you, if you believe the Word of God and you believe what He'll do, I'm going to show you what He'll do. When He says what He's just said there, says, For the Lord God... For the Lord God is as a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He behold from them that walk uprightly. Now, if you're not getting what you need from God, guess what? You're not walking uprightly before God. You're not believing Him. If you're walking uprightly before the king, if you're walking in love, if you're doing what the Lord says, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trust in Thee. I remember a woman one time, sick at bed, in her bed, asked to go pray for this woman. Walk into the house. She had very rich I mean, had the finest everything. Marble entryways. Beautiful bed. She was sitting up in her bed. She was just absolutely enjoying her sickness. Everybody was waiting on her. Everybody felt sorry for her. She loved it. You look at a woman like that. And you turn and say, you're not ready for me. If you want to get healed, you come to church. You humble yourself before God and you get right. You're not ready for a man of God. You know what? People have to do what God says in here. He's not going to heal you when you're walking and grumbling and complaining. When you're enjoying your sickness and disease. But if you walk uprightly and humble yourself before Him, what does He say? He will withhold from them that walk uprightly before Him. What did He say? What did He say? I will withhold what? So if you're not getting what you need from God, guess where the problem is? It's not with the King. It's with you. Just like last night. Like Cheryl said, we had a great healing school yesterday. The place was packed. I mean, we didn't have hardly a seat in the house. It was people here from everywhere. We prayed for people.
0: <clears throat>
1: Cheryl and I and Ty and Cheryl, two teams, prayed for people from 5.30 yesterday afternoon when the healing school was over until after midnight last night. Amen. We finally got the last one prayed for after midnight. I'm sitting up here and two young men come up and I prayed for them. And one of them had cancer. And they started to go. It was about 11.30. He said, you know... You must be wore completely out, standing all day and in teaching and then praying with us. And you stood for hours before you ever sat down. He said, you must be wore out. I jumped up and grabbed him by the neck and I said, I rebuke that curse in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, I am not weak and I am not tired. I said, I'm in just as a ball of fire right now as I was when I started teaching at one o'clock. I said, there ain't no difference in me now than there was then. I said, I don't get weak because the Lord is my strength. We sing that song up there, God is my strength. When you get a hold of the fact that God is your strength, you don't go on your own strength no more. You can do all things through Christ. If you walk holy and upright before Him, what did He say in Psalms 84? He would withhold from you. No, No what? No what? Oh, no good thing. He didn't say he wouldn't withhold bad things from you. He said he'll withhold no good things from you. Isn't that amazing? I think about how many years I was sick and afflicted when I got, finally got a hold of the Word. Just like Brother David. He's had that pain in his back, I guess, all of his life. But I'm going to guarantee you, the boy's going to, he's healed. He's healed. Now then, I'm going to tell you of another man that had something similar to that, brother Paul. Come up here and give us your testimony. Oh,
0: Thank
1: you. He had a problem similar to this. I want him to tell you what God did for him. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. In the
2: winter, the Lord took me to my knees. I was raised Catholic, and I used to joke that Catholics weren't allowed to read the Bible. So, I didn't know anything. I was just a babe. So, I came here, I got introduced, and the very first healing school that I went to in the spring, I didn't know what a healing school was, but Thurman offhandedly made the remark, you know, I'm pretty good with backs. And for decades, doctors have told me that because of flying helicopters that my last disc is gone and I will forever be in pain. Well, after Thurman, and that wasn't why I came to church. I just, because I had other things I was praying about much more intently. But I thought, well, if Thurman said he, he's good with backs, and I thought, well, if the Lord can, that's a large specialty through Thurman, I'll try it. And about and the other issue that I had thought I was here for, that I'm still praying on, distracted me. But for the first time in months, or actually it's been months now, I've been able to get up in the morning without tears in my eyes. Amen. And all I can say is praise Jesus. And Thurman is good with bats. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know what Jesus is. Okay, Jesus.
2: <laughs> Jesus
1: is. Yeah. Praise the King. I don't know what it is about backs. Maybe it's because I had so much back trouble myself, and I had to overcome my back trouble. That maybe that's why God has given me that special anointing. But when I see somebody's got a back problem, I know in my spirit, I know. I don't care who you are. If I pray for you and you've got a back problem, I know you're healed. I know it. You know, that's why that I prayed for Dr. Gary Young out there in Salt Lake City, Utah the other day. After falling out of a tree 35 feet high to the ground, hitting right on his rear end and crushing his lower back. I prayed a prayer of faith for him on Sunday night after it happened on Tuesday, and in instantaneous, instant, God instantly healed that man's broken back. He was able to get up off his bed and run and play. But when Bill Gothard called me a few years ago, when Bill called me with all those young men that had the back troubles, I found their sin, prayed for them, and God healed every one of them instantly. And somebody came to the teaching in San Marcos the other day and said, We've got this problem. And we heard that you walk in the gifts of the the Spirit in the area of healing. And we heard that you had prayed over some men that worked for Bill Gothard. So he said, I don't believe in this stuff. And so he said, I didn't know what to do. So he said, I called Bill Gothard. I knew him, and I knew I could trust him. And I asked Bill, I said, Bill, do you know this guy Thurman Scrivener? He said, I sure do. He said, I understand. He prayed for some boys that worked for you, their backs. He said, how are these that are still holding perfect? Every one of them is running and playing without a problem or a pain. So the man drove from wherever he lived all the way to San Marcos, Texas, and brought his daughter and his family for me to pray for. Now, let me tell you, you don't drive halfway across the country. You don't come from Minneapolis. You don't come from Indiana. You don't come from California. You don't come from New York. You don't come from New Mexico, Oklahoma City. And that's where we had people from yesterday. There were people here from all over the country. The place was full. The place was full. And we taught a four-hour healing school. And I'm telling you, I have no idea what all God did, but I know that He did a lot of wonderful things yesterday. We had some great testimonies yesterday. Great testimonies. You know, I mean, just wonderful things happened. The God that we serve, He's an awesome God. You've got to believe Him. You've got to believe Him. Now then, before we get studying into Scripture, I want to know, is there anybody else now? we heard Brother Paul's testimony. Anybody else got a testimony? Come up here, young lady. Tell us what God's done for you. <clears throat> Praise the King. You look beautiful today.
3: The last time I came up here, I was so nervous about not taking up too much time that I didn't tell the rest of the story about how God healed me. And I, I it was so crazy that sermon had prayed for my back at church. I, I, I could hardly get up and down, and I had worked all week, just barely able to get up and down off the ladder, and it was um, it was just excruciating. And I, after he prayed for me, it still hurt. And and I went home, and and I was just you know asking the Lord about uh, about some things. And and uh, the next morning, when I woke up, in, in my spirit, I heard obedience is better than sacrifice, and 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 I, anyway, I, he reminded me that about a pledge that I had made, a money pledge to, to Christian television, and, and I had not paid that pledge. And, and you know, I, I felt like it had to do, you know, my back issue had to do with, with money and obedience issues in that area. And, and so I didn't have money in the in the bank to pay that pledge, and but I had seen a program where they had given a tour of their facility, and there was a gift shop, and in the gift shop they had this jewelry case, and I made the comment that, you know, sometimes people send jewelry, you know, to, because they don't have the money to, to send, so they send jewelry, and they sell the jewelry there, and, you know, they put it toward whatever they want to put it toward. So I thought, well, I've got some jewelry. I'll just, I'll send the jewelry. So I, I, I started, I went and got the jewelry box and I started labeling it and, um, uh, you know, kind of estimating what the value was and so that, you know, they'd have a place to start with it when they got ready to price it and um, I addressed the envelope. When I got and, and when I sat down, I could I could barely sit because it hurt so bad. And I got busy and I didn't notice that it had quit hurting. But when I got up from doing that and addressing that envelope, I had zero pain.
0: Amen. Praise God, King. Glory.
1: Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> See, we don't know what sin is, do we, Michelle? You want to give a testimony? Michelle hasn't been here in a long time. She's been down under the weather, but she's. She's a precious little lady.
4: Yeah,
2: about two weeks ago, I threw out my knee and I couldn't walk on it. And doctors kept saying, oh, you'll never walk on it. I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not true. And I kept saying, I kept telling doctors that they needed to pray and they kept looking at me like, oh, it's absolutely out of my mind. And I went back to them like two days ago and they're like, you're walking.
0: Amen. I'm like, yeah.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. God is a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Anybody else got a testimony before we get into Scripture? Anybody else? I miss anybody? Everybody's. Oh, oh, got one back here. Praise the King. I almost didn't look that far back. Praise the Lord. Amen. Philip's got something he wants to share with us this morning. Some
4: wonderful thing Jesus has done. Amen. Alright, I'm not going to use any names because somebody might get a tape that knows people I'm going to talk about, but uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, I was in a car accident about two years ago and um, I was not living for the Lord then, and uh, I got tickets and all kinds of bad stuff, you know, surcharges and everything and been taking care of that, and uh, I got something in the mail um, saying I owed like $3,000 for it, and uh, call them and anyway make it a short story. Um, I I got a call from a, a, basically a collection agency saying I owed about $17,191 for this thing and uh, so I was really kind of a little angry and I uh, uh, called the guy and I had words with him and asked the Lord to forgive me and <laughs> then I prayed about it which is the thing you should do first. And uh, And uh, so, uh, we called him, and the guy talked people down to cutting it in half, praise the Lord, uh, to about $9,000, and um, I think that's awesome. I don't know if y'all think that's awesome, I think it's pretty cool. Um, That's a lot of money. And uh, then, I prayed about it. Me and Krista both prayed about it really hardcore that night, and uh, the... The Lord said that we would know his voice. So if you have a problem with knowing whether it's the devil or the Lord, then you really need to spend more time with him because you'll recognize his voice a lot easier that way. Um, but anyway, uh, the Lord told me to call someone I know and talk to him about it. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I thought this guy was just going to write me a check or something, you know. And uh, he told me he didn't really know what to do, uh, basically. And he told me to call or talk to someone else I knew. Uh, see if they knew anybody so I talked to them and they took me to someone else they knew <laughs> and that person ended up writing me a $9,000 check so, and uh, no interest no anything and God is awesome and if you're obedient and you listen to his voice and do what he says not try to put your own two cents into it he'll take care of it in the end Amen. praise,
1: praise the again. thank you Jesus thank you Jesus is that all of them? Okay, I don't want to cut anybody short. Okay, praise the King. Okay, we got the testimonies done. Praise the King. We've seen the Lord heal backs. I couldn't even tell you how many backs I've seen God heal. I know that just like uh, uh, Bobby Jones <clears throat> up in Louisville, Bobby Jones was 38 years old when he was, he was 38 a couple of years ago. When he, was 20, um, when he was 14 years old, he was playing football, and he broke his back in a football accident. And he had been in terrible pain from 14 to 38. That's 24 years of pain. Now, he had been to some doctors, and he wanted to have something done, but when the doctors were checking, they would tell him that they'd have to go through his throat, through the front, to get to the back, to where the problem was in the vertebrae, and they might very well damage his vocal cords. And he's a singer. He sings in the choir. has a beautiful voice. He sings for other meetings and everything, kind of like David plays piano. He's a singer, and he sings for the Lord, and he didn't want to not be able to sing for the Lord. So he put this off till he was 38 years old. And then the pain got so terrible, he just couldn't stand it anymore. So he went to some of the finest doctors in the Metroplex, and got several opinions, and they all told him, we can help you, we think, but we cannot eliminate your pain completely. With your damage the way it is, you will be in pain to some degree the rest of your life. And so he finally decided, okay, you know, I'll have to do this. And then he was singing at the National Day of Prayer two years ago at Flower Mound when I was asked to speak that day. And so I spoke on their closed-circuit television to the area there. And after it was over, a little lady that knew me, and she worked in the church at Lakeland Baptist Church where I was a deacon for 20 years. I went there many years and served under Dr. Ben Smith. She went over and told Bobby, said, Bobby, I know you have this back problem. And she said, I know Thurman walks in an anointing with God. She said, I believe with all my heart, if you'll let him pray for you, God will heal your back. He asked me, what do you think? I said, I don't think he will. I know he will. I know he will. He's the king that answers prayer. But he said, i got to believe with no doubt in my heart. He'll do it. I said, now, Bobby, I want you to open up the Word of God, and I'm going to read a verse to you. We read a couple. We read Matthew eighteen, nineteen. Now think about that. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen nineteen, again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. See, with the church don't believe that. We don't believe that. We say we do, but we don't. And I'm going to show you in the scripture we're going to talk about why we don't believe that. But that day we prayed and also read him Mark sixteen. 18, where Jesus said, And these signs shall follow those that believe. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I mean, that's two awesome promises from God. If you believe that, you can get healed. Anybody can get healed if you believe that and walk holy and upright before God. If you do what He says, keep His commandments, and walk in love, He will not withhold any good thing from you. Did did the king say that? Can he lie? No. No, he can't lie. Ain't no way he can lie. But you've got to meet his criteria. So we did that day, and I prayed the prayer of faith for Bobby Jones right there at the National Day of Prayer. And I told him, I said to Bobby, I guarantee when you wake up in the morning, you won't have no pain. God says you've got to believe Him with no doubt in your heart. And if you don't believe Him, you ain't going to get nothing from God. So that's why I guarantee His words. Because that proves I believe His words. Bobby Jones went home with pain in his back. Woke up the next morning and moved, and for the first time ever in 24 years, he had no pain. I mean, the guy's been completely healed for two years now. He's not had a pain or a problem. He's told that testimony in Lakeland Baptist Church. He's told it to everybody he meets up and down the hallway. He's jumping up and down screaming. Let me tell you, even a Baptist can get excited when Jesus shows up. Praise God. We serve an awesome God, don't we? You know why I have a special anointing for backs? It's just because I believe God. You could do the same thing. It's just, it's just I believe God. Now then, I'm going to show you something. We're going to turn over here in the book of James. We're going to read a few scriptures. In James chapter 2, verse 9, that's where we're going to start. I'm going to show you again how easy it is to sin. And we're going to go a little bit further. As we talked about the other day, in one of the sessions, I talked a little about some of these scriptures. I went from the beginning of chapter 2, and it got down a little ways, but I stopped right about here. But again, I want to start in verse 9 today, James 2, 9. But if... I mean, there's a lot of times. You never realize how many times the word but and if is used in the Word of God until you start looking. But if... You have respect of persons you commit sin. And you are convinced of the law, convicted or convinced of the law as a transgressor. But whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one part... He is guilty of all. That don't seem fair to me. But he that said, which is God, do not commit adultery, said also do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, and if you kill, you have become a transgressor of the law. Now that when you get a hold of this, you begin to understand what Paul said in Galatians 5. So I I didn't understand Galatians 5 for a lot of years, but now I'm going to turn back to Galatians 5. And I want to show you something here. I read this and read this and read this, and I absolutely could not believe that God meant what He said in His Word. But now then I know He means exactly what He said in His Word. And so I have no problem with it teaching it exactly like it's written. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Wow. Stop and meditate on that a minute. I'm free in Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nothing will He withhold from me if I walk holy in obedience to His Word. So how can I be 67, early 68 years old Get up early yesterday morning after having a very few hours sleep the night before. Study His Word all morning. Come down here, teach His Word all afternoon, and pray for people to amend that. And then go out and have something to eat and get home and go to bed at 4 o'clock this morning and still be a ball of fire when I hit the sack. Because the Lord is my strength. That's how I do that. You know. I can't brag on nothing I can do, but in Christ I can brag on the King. You know. I don't have to have a pain or nothing because Jesus bore my pain and paid the price for my sins. All i got to do is believe His Word. So, stand fast. Now, you're going to have to stand on this. I mean, if you don't, the devil will take it away from you. Oh, he'll cut, come and put depression on you, and he'll put thoughts in your mind. Oh, you old wicked boy, or you old wicked girl, woman, you... I mean, you're nobody. You're nothing. You know, you don't think God do something for an old wicked girl like you. And we listen to the beast. See, you have to stand fast. You have to learn who you are, what you can do. You have to stand. You have to tell the devil where to go. You have to speak to him. Drive away those spirits of depression. If one of those spirits of depression tries to slip up on you, the answer is in Psalm 61, 3. Oh, excuse me, Isaiah. Excuse me, that's right, honey, thank you. Isaiah 61, 3. Where the Word of God says, The Spirit of Praise drives away the spirit of heaviness. Hey, if you start getting depressed, what should you do? Agree with the devil? No, jump up and start praising God. Start running up down the street and say, glory to God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm healed. Thank you that I have no pain. Somebody says, well, i got all kinds of pain in my body. If you start worshiping God, it'll go away. It'll go away. I know. I've been there and done it several times. I know what works. And the Word always works. Just like it's written. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The world is living under the yoke of bondage. Last night we left here at 1230, or quarter to one. We drove down the street down here to a little restaurant to have a bite to eat because we had to eat all day. You know, I mean, when you do what we do, you don't get up in the morning and have breakfast and stop at 12 and have lunch and stop at 6 and have something to eat and you don't stop at 10.30 and have something to drink and you don't stop at 3 for a Dr. Pepper. You know, when you come in here, when you get up in the morning, you get in the Word, you study the Word, you come down here, you set the place up, you start teaching and maybe I drank one or two bottles of water all day long yesterday until 12.30 this morning. Hey, you'd be amazed what you can do by faith. Well, we get down there. And we walk in at restaurant. quite a few people there, 12, 30. And I thought, wow, it's Sunday morning, you know, and there's several people there. And I thought, well, I guess surely it'll die down in a little while. And that girl that was waiting on us, I said, you know, you're busy. Oh, she's just nothing now. Wait till after 2 o'clock. I said, what? She oh, yeah, 2 o'clock. She said, all the bars close. So all the drunks start coming in. She said, we really get busy after 2 o'clock in the morning. And boy, we was there when we began to see that. It was after 2 o'clock and people coming in. Cheryl goes to the bathroom. Some girls in there gagging, coughing, spitting up, throwing up, stops up the potty, flushes it, water can chunk all over the place. What a wonderful way to live. You talk about bondage? Them people are in bondage. They don't have any idea of what freedom is. No idea how to live. They think they're having fun. They're living in bondage. That's where all of us were at one time. You might not have never been a drunk. You might not have never hung out at night like that. But you were in bondage. And some of you are still in bondage. Because you've not believed the Word of the living God. I know I lived there far too many years. But now then I'm getting hold of it. If the king said it in here, praise God, it's mine. I'm standing on it. I mean, it's mine. I'm going to walk in it. But the Lord says here, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. There was people out there saying, you know, you can't be saved unless you go through the ritual, the Jewish ritual of circumcision. Paul said, no, that's not required. That's not required to be saved. If you want to do it, it's not a big deal. But you don't do it to add to your salvation. If you do it, then it's, not, it's just something you do. But it's not something you do saying, if I don't do this, I'm not saved. Because if you do, let's look what he said here. He said, Christ shall profit you nothing. Then in verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, who do you know that can do the whole law? Most of you don't even know what it is. How are you going to keep the law? You know what doing the whole law would be like? It would be like right now, if I were to tell you, I want you to quote to me the handbook on driving in the state of Texas. There's not one single one of us in this place could tell us that book. You know, I mean, I know pieces of it. I've read it. And parts of it remain in me. You know, I mean, just like a few years ago. I pulled around a guy at an intersection of in Flower Mound, and there was a police officer, a lady police officer, sitting right over there. And there's two red lights up there. There's an improved shoulder. I pulled up there. And the guy's going to turn left. as the light change, and I took off. Well, this lady police officer come after me. She stopped me, and I said, ma'am, what's your problem? I said, I didn't break no roof. She said, yes, you did. I want to see your library and your insurance. I said, well, okay. I got my driver's license. I had my insurance to her. She looked at it. She said, that's all okay. She wrote me a ticket. I said, what are you writing me a ticket for? She said, you did an improper procedure back there at that red light. I said, no, ma'am, I did not. She said, yes, you did. You passed on an improved shoulder. I said, ma'am, in the state of Texas, you can pass on an improved shoulder. She said, no, you can't. I thought, okay, they may have changed the law, you know, so you don't know. So I leave her and I go back down to the courthouse or the little city, Flower Mound at that time, little bitty place. I go down there and I tell the guy, I said, I need a Texas handbook on the laws. So I get it, and I go to passing on an improved shoulder, and it hadn't changed. Now, if one guy's sitting there, and he's giving a signal to turn left, and even if there's not two lights, if there's just one in the state of Texas, and there's an improved shoulder, the first guy behind that guy can pass him on the right. The second one cannot. Now, if you're the second one, and you go around two cars, you broke the law. But if you're the first one, you can pass him, and I was the first one. So, see, if you're the second one, you start around, you don't know what the other guy's fixing to do. He's going to pull out, and you're going to have a wreck. So, they ain't going to let you do that. So, anyway, I thought, hey, I didn't break the law. I thought, oh, well, you know, probably a little $20 ticket. I'd have to take a day off of work to go to court and everything, so I'd just go pay it. So, I went down and passed the guy. I said, how much is the fine? He said, 50 bucks. Well, 30 years ago, $50 was a day's pay. I said, hey, forget this. I'm, I'm taking it to court. I'm going to court. So I went to court that day when my day came and I walked in there and the judge says, how do you plead? And I said, not guilty. He said, what grounds? I got my little handbook out. I said, Texas handbook, so-and-so, page so-and-so, paragraph so-and-so. It says right here, what I did is not against the law. He said, mister, I'm the judge in this precinct and I know what the law is and what you did. You broke the law. I said, sir, you may know the law, but I got a book written by the state of Texas right here in my hand that says I did not break the law. He said, "One more outburst from you, and you in contempt of court.")
0: He said, "Do you got anything
1: else to say?" I said, "Yes, I am still not guilty." He told his lawyer, he said, "You take him outside, and I'll deal with the next one. You go find the law that show him that he's doing what he's done is wrong. So I walk outside that lawyer and I walk out and I say, Buster, I'm gonna tell you something. You may be a lawyer, but I got a book written by the state of Texas, that what I did is not sin. See, this is what you have to do with this book to the devil. See, the devil will try everything he can to say, you know, you're guilty. Well you're gonna to have to prove to the devil you're not guilty. Because if you don't know the truth in this book, I guarantee that devil's going to get you. He's going to make you sick. He's going to afflict you. He's going to torment you. He's going to depress you. He's going to do everything. But just like me, I took that book and that lawyer was gone 30 minutes or an hour. He finally come back and he said, well, I can't find the law. I said, I don't care what you found. I got a current book I picked up in the police station right in there just a couple of days ago. And it says right here, I'm not guilty. We walk back in there, and that judge says, Okay, the lawyer says he can't find it, so on behalf of the book you got, I will release you. I said, Judge, let me ask you another question. I said, If you don't want people to pass down at that intersection, according to the laws of the state of Texas, why don't you put some signs up down there that you don't want them passing? He said, Mr., you ever put, tried to go through the red tape to get a sign put up on the highway in the state of Texas? I said, No, sir. I never had any reason to do that. He said, there's so much red tape, it's virtually impossible to get a sign put up. I said, okay. So I walked out of there, and I drove right down to the Texas Highway Department. And I walked in, and I said, I want to see the head man in here. The lady said, that's him, office right back there. I walked in, and I said, sir, I got a problem. And I was over in Flower Mount, and I got a ticket the other day. And some judge tried to give me a ticket, or they gave me a ticket, and the judge tried to find me. I said, I want to know what I have to do. Can I get some signs put up It says, from this point to this point, no passing on improved shoulder? He said, that judge is still giving him tickets over there? I said, yes, sir, he's still doing it. He said, no problem, I'll put up some signs. I said, what do I have to sign? He said, nothing. I thought, gee, a lot of red tape, wasn't it? That was on Monday. The next Friday, I drove down that road, and there was three signs. says no passing from here to light. And I thought, see, when you stand your ground, you're not caught up again in the bondage of the world. But you're going to have to stand. What did Paul say there? Stand fast. Now then, what did I have to do? Well, I could have have said, oh, I could have went in there afraid, not knowing who I was. And when that tried to present my case, that judge said, I know the law and you're guilty. And I could have said, okay, I'm sorry, sir. Okay, how much money do I owe you? But I had the law book in my hand. I got the law book in my hand. I got the law book in my hand. When I read this law book to God and I read it to the devil, there's a battle going on in the spirit world. That devil wants to keep you down just like that judge wanted to keep my money. But I wasn't going to give it to him because I knew I wasn't guilty. But you're going to have to stand just like that in the spirit world just like I did in the physical world. What Paul tell you to do right there in Galatians 5? Stand. If you don't stand against the devil, what are you going to get? Oh, well, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You're dumb. You're stupid. You know, you need to get in the Word. I know. I was dumb and stupid most of my life. You know, I can talk about this because I'm talking about me. I know how dumb and how stupid I was as a Christian going to church, supposedly serving God, down in my back six times, double pneumonia, all kinds of flus and colds and everything. I had no idea. The devil had no legal claim to me except my unbelief of the promises of God's Word. But when I got a hold of these promises, I started standing I have been able to beat the devil in everything. And I have been able to pray for thousands of people in the last ten years and see God do awesome healing signs and miracles and wonders for them. And many of you sitting in this room today have received a healing or a miracle when I've had the privilege to pray for you in the name of Jesus. And many of you have gone out and done the same thing. God's no respect your persons. He's looking for people that believe Him. He's not looking for a bunch of unbelievers but he's looking for people to believe him. Now look what he says here. For I, verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. And if you don't know the law, you can't keep it. But look what he says in verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. I used to read that and think, what in the world does he mean, fallen from grace? Over there in James 2, he's talking about the same thing. If you and I, he's talking to Christians, if you and I, let's say for instance, we're a man. Or you could be a woman, it makes no difference. But I know men, this gets men far more than it does women, usually. A man, he goes into a place of business. And some real, young, pretty little thing, about 20 years old, that's got a pair of short shorts on. I mean, they go plumb up on her hips like this. And everything's showing, almost. And a little teeny top that covers the nipples. And she's strutting herself around in that place. And a guy looks up. Almost no man cannot stop and look at that. And if he's not careful, that demon will grab him right there. And in a few minutes, he's lusting for what he's looking at. And when he's lust, what has he just done? He's broken the law. He's transgressed the law of God, and he's become a sinner. And that's how easy it is to sin. When you've transgressed the law, when you've sinned, when you've transgressed that law, you have fell from grace, and you fell back under the law. When you fall back under the law, the demons have legal right now because they look at you like a bunch of vultures, and they say, He just broke the law we can now get him but if you don't yield to that beast if you stay in faith and stay in love you might look at that pretty little thing that comes in there bebopping around and you just kind of glance at her and say the girl's in bondage she don't have a clue who she is if she knew she was a daughter of the king if she was she'd cover her body she wouldn't be in there showing her top and her bottom to everybody that walks in, flaunting herself before men. She would dress like a lady. She'd cover herself up. She wouldn't wear something so short that when she walked in, I mean, I've walked into places of business, I mean, it's amazing you walk in there and a woman's got an outfit on that starts from here to here and goes to her navel. And you can see all skin in the middle. And when she leans over, you can see skin everywhere. Hey, ain't no woman of God that knows God's going to dress like that. If you are, you need to talk to me. I can tell you, the Word of God says not to dress like that. The Word of God says you women are to dress to attract people to your face, not to your body. So if you're wearing things that don't cover you up, I mean, you're sinning. Because you're causing men to sin. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Because when you slust. I mean, all you've got to do is look at somebody to lust for them in your heart. And did the Word of God say you're guilty of adultery? Either one of you. like, But a woman, you know, a woman can look at go shopping. Oh, she don't need that dress. She don't need that pair of shoes. She's got plenty. But man, I covet that. I want that. You know what you just did? When you coveted something that you didn't need? Oh, you girls you girls are not talking. (laughs) You don't hear this, do you? You just sinned. You just fell from grace. You just transgressed the law. You coveted. God said you're not to covet. Isn't that amazing? How easy it is to sin. Now how many of you think how many of you think we probably sin far too often? Hey, I'm guilty. I am trying my best to look at this law, what God says, and stay in that area of grace. If I can stay in the area of grace, that means I never transgress God's law. The demons of hell never have no legal claim to me. And the beasts cannot make me sick. They cannot put pain and suffering on me. And when I pray for you, when I walk in that love walk with God, if I'm walking in that love walk with God, He hears my prayer and He answers it and you get healed. Now, you want to walk there? I do. Is it worth the cost? Yes! Is it worth the cost? Is it nice to wake up in the morning without a back pain? Isn't it awesome? But see, I get to walk there too. I used to have back pain. I used to have all the suffering and everything. But when I learned how to do this and step into grace, I stopped having back troubles. Wow. I stopped having sickness and disease. It's so awesome to walk there. But a lot of people, they don't want to walk there. They'd rather be pitied in their sickness and disease. And you see those kind. Oh, but God, I've got a thousand people praying for me. But where you are, ten thousand could be praying for you and nothing's going to happen. Until you humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I'm nothing but dust. I have a pain in my side, my back, or whatever, and I know I have sinned somewhere. Maybe many places. I know I've transgressed your law. I realize I'm a sinner. And I repent. And I ask you to be merciful to me and forgive me. Now then, will you send me to an intercessor, somewhere a man that has faith, that can pray for me, that's walking under the anointing of yours, so when he prays for me, I can be healed. You humble yourself like that, God will put you exactly where He'll want you. He'll put you somewhere with somebody, or He'll set you free Himself. When you humble yourself before God. He says, but if you, have, if you are circumcised... To fall under the law, or if you do anything that's sin to the law, covetousness is transgressing the law. Grumbling and complaining is transgressing the law. Bad thoughts is committing adultery. You get angry with someone, really angry, you're guilty of murder. That's awful, isn't it? A lot of repenting has to go on under those kind of conditions, doesn't it? If you do any of those things, you need to get into a state of repentance and believe God and walk holy before Him. And when you do, when you humble yourself before God, when you realize, when we said over there in James, if somebody comes in that's wearing fine clothes and a big golden ring, Somebody says, whoa, look at that guy. He's rich. I better be nice to him. He might give me a $100 offering. That guy may not have a dime. But there may be somebody comes in in a pair of blue jeans or an old shirt, and you say, oh, well, set him over here. He ain't got nothing. The guy may be a millionaire. You don't never know. You can't tell what people have got or what they're going to do by the way they look. That's why the Lord says here if you show respect to persons, you sin. You're a transgressor of the law. Just showing respect to somebody else. Well, that guy, I'm not going to let him give a testimony. Good grief. Look at the way he looks. No, 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 no. I can't let you get up here and say nothing. Hey, I don't care who you are. You got a testimony. You come up here and tell God, tell what God did for you. I don't care who you are. Because guess what? The minute in my mind, I have respect of persons, and I won't let somebody do something. I'm showing respect to persons, and I am a sinner. I've transgressed God's law. I have fallen from grace, and I'm back under the law, and the demons of hell have legal right to hit me and my family. And I don't want that. Fall from grace. Somebody says, I lost my salvation. No, you didn't lose your salvation. I'll give you a perfect example in the world that you can understand. The reason I give you this example, this morning I went to the mailbox, and I hardly ever drive my Chrysler, but I do once in a while. I have to keep the battery up on it. It's a nice car. Once in a while I do use it to haul my tools around. I hauled my tools over to work on something the other day, but I don't use it much. This morning, I get in the car, so I got a couple letters. I got a mail, and I I didn't get the mail yesterday, so I thought i will run to the post office and get the mail. So I jumped in my car, and I'm driving down the road, and I look over here, and the inspection sticker says, (laughs) 6-6. How many of you know I've just transgressed the law? Oh, I know I'm a sinner right there. I know I'm a lawbreaker. I'm almost to town. I thought, oh, God. I wasn't, I wasn't under no kind of condemnation until I looked up and seen I was a breaker of the law. But now I'm looking for a, Lord, please don't let a police officer be nowhere around. <laughs> I eased on to town since I was nearly there. I didn't want to turn around and come back and get another car and go back. So I eased on to town, pulled in Sunday at, at you know, 11 o'clock, 1130 and I run in, got my mail right quick, run back out, look, nobody nowhere, got in the car, drove right across, <laughs> right, right back on 407. He didn't, did, definitely didn't break no speed laws. I mean, if it said 35, let me tell you, I'm driving 30. <laughs> and I come on home, when I pulled off 407 on the fault road, I thought, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, see, all that time, I was breaking the laws of the state of Texas. Now, then... Whenever my sticker's now tomorrow, now that I know that, tomorrow I'll run it up there and get a new inspection sticker on it, and then I'm back in the grace of the state of Texas. See, the state of Texas gives you and me grace to drive on their highways. I mean, it's not, a, it's not something you just do. You can't go out there and buy your old car and, and do nothing but just get out there and drive it on that highway. If you do, they'll stop you and lock you up. I mean, you've got to have a driver's license. You know? You've got to have an inspection sticker. You've got to have insurance. You've know, you got to have license plates and all that stuff's got to be current. And if you have all that stuff and it's all current, then with everything being current, they give you grace to drive on their highway. Now, then the minute you break the law, like I did this morning, I became a transgressor of the law and I fell from the grace of the state of Texas. And if a, if a lawyer, not a lawyer, but a, a police officer had have seen me this morning... And seeing that sticker was 6'6", six, six, I might have had trouble talking him out of it since I was not going to get a sticker put on because you can't get one put on on Sunday. They probably would have given me a ticket. Do you know that? Would they, would they have been justified in it? Sure. Well, that's exactly the way it is with the kingdom of God. When you and I walk in grace, we walk in love. What law did he say over there in James chapter 4? He said the royal law of God. If we keep the royal law of God, and who knows what the royal law of God is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Who do you know that loves their neighbor as themselves? That really shows no respect to persons. I don't care who it is. I mean, if somebody comes in, just like we were talking about here, if somebody comes in and let's say that person is wearing, just like the Scripture says, they're wearing a fine suit and a gold ring. I said, you go over and say, oh, welcome to the living Savior church. Come over. Let me set you here. There's a nice seat right here. But then some old scroungy guy comes in. You say, oh, well, somebody set him back down in the back. That's the way a lot of people do things. Oh, and what we used to do. I just looked over there at Benjamin right then. And what we used to do, if you walk in there and you're white, you could sit up here on the front. But if you was black, you, you can't come in here. We don't have black people in our church. We're Christians, but we don't allow blacks in here. Boy, I'd hate to be one of them Christians, wouldn't you? Did you know that in the laws of the United States of America, the Supreme Court used to declare that a black man was not a human being? That was written in the laws of this land. If you were black, you was not a human being. Did that devil, was he running things? That beast was running things. I mean, we were transgressing the law all over. Anybody that believed that was not walking in the royal law of God. I remember a man of God, a real man of God, one day went to Africa and some of the black brothers down there, he put his arm around one of them was loving him and there was a white preacher stood up back there and he said you get your hands over that black man he said we don't deal with him down here he reached over pulled that guy up close to him, kissed him on the cheek he said this is my brother in Christ that guy, he, oh he got mad That man of God took his arm up around that guy and looked at him. He said, you're a transgressor of the law. You're a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life. You're lost. You're going to hell. That's tough, isn't it? But you know what that man said is exactly what the Word of God says. If you don't love your brother, if you hate your brother, he said you're guilty of murder. And he said no murder has eternal life and no murder shall inherit the kingdom of God. You know, there's going to be a lot of people show up up there one day thinking they're going to heaven. When they get there, they ain't going to get there. Is that going to be scary? Why did we? But we didn't read the law. We want to know why we're sick and afflicted. It's sin. That's what it is. If you don't believe God, you cannot get healed. If you don't humble yourself before Him, you cannot get healed. It's almost impossible to get you healed. As long as you're trying to be somebody and do it on your own and not coming to God in a humble state, say, Lord, I'll do anything you say. I'll repent of every sin. And be serious. Lord, I'll walk in love. I will do what you say. When you come to God like that, guess what He'll do for you? When you walk uprightly, what did He say in Psalms 84 he would do for you? He keeps no good things from them that walk upright before me. Was that what He said? if He withholds no good things from them that walk upright. If you're walking upright and you come to Him on behalf of these promises that He's made in here, your pain or sickness has to go away. It cannot fail. You walk holy in obedience to His Word. He will withhold no good things. And healing and being free of pain is a good thing. Sickness and disease and pain is not a good thing. Nobody wants that. It's unfortunate. I lived there far too many years of my life before I realized this book was my ruling factor. So he says there, back in James chapter 2, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Look at verse 13. For he, God, shall have judgment without mercy. He shall have judgment, the person. That's what he's talking about, the person. For he, the person that did not have mercy, shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Or is a joy. rejoices is a joy. And mercy is a joy against judgment. So if you will not have mercy on people, if you'll not be merciful to them, the Lord says, you will be judged without mercy. So let's say that you're having a problem. I remember my mother told me something one time, a long time ago. She didn't understand these principles very well, but she was a fairly intelligent Christian woman. I said something about somebody one day and she said, oh Thurman, don't say that. Don't say that. I said, why mom? It's true. She said, but don't say it. She said, when we lived, when you was a little bitty boy, we lived in Liberty, Texas, right down close to Houston. She said, the woman that lived next door to us had a baby and the baby was mentally retarded. So the woman that lived on the other side of us used to make fun at that woman. And I said, look at your baby. That baby ain't nothing. He ain't never going to be able to do nothing. She said, she made fun of the woman openly before the woman. My mother said, my heart broke for that woman. My mother didn't know the principles of the Word. She didn't know that sin is what brings those kind of things into the world. She didn't know that God promised in His Word that if you will walk upright as a mother and a father, He will not only bless you, but He will bless your children. But he also says in his word, if you don't walk up right before me, I will not only curse you, but I will curse you and your children. That's written in the word too. So most people don't know that and they don't believe that. So they don't know that their sins are carrying over to their children. And when they read it, they don't believe it. It couldn't be true. But it is true. It is true. Now thank goodness for Jesus because every curse come upon you has been broken. If you know it, you're not under those kind of things no more, but you've got to receive that by faith. That's what took me so long to get healed. I have no idea what kind of sins that maybe my dad did because he was accountable, much more so than my mother. But, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid laying there in the bed sleeping, I mean, trying to sleep and have splitting migraine headaches. I used to cry. My head hurt so bad. And then, you know, I had several little problems growing up, and I had no idea why. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't know what my daddy did when he was away from home. He was a good man. But nobody knows what they do except God and them. I'm sure there was times my daddy sinned in ways I don't know about because I know he did something. Because I had too many problems growing up as a kid. Although my daddy went to church, I do know know that the first ten years of my life he was a mason. I do know that. That could have opened the door to all kinds of sin. I know he finally got out of it when I was about ten. He didn't understand, he just knew that it didn't line up with the word of God. So he finally got but the first ten years of my life he was a Mason and he served in a Masonic lodge. But he finally got enough knowledge that, hey, this is not according to the book, so I've got to get out of it and quit. And my my life began to change after that. Things began to change. I didn't have near as much sickness as I had at first. But it all took place after Daddy got out of the Masonic Lodge. Now I know that's wrong. Now I know about the Masonic Lodge. Now I know what that, that devil does through that lodge. Now I know the God of the Masonic Lodge and the God of the universe that we serve is two different gods. I know that. I can prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I, I remember a, a preacher one time. I had a little crippled child, had a leg all deformed. And they was praying and praying and praying and praying over this little child and nothing ever happened. Finally, he said, Lord, we don't understand why your promises are not working. The Spirit spoke to that pastor just to clear. He said, that boy's under a Masonic curse. You're going to have to break it before he gets healed. And so he asked his daddy, he said, are you a Mason? He said, yes. He said, you've got to repent. We ain't no way we ever get this boy healed. He said, you mean what I've done in the Masonic Lodge, what brought this on my child? He said, the Lord just told me. That's what's wrong with me. The man said, good grief, I repent. He said, i rebuke that thing. I won't never go to another lodge meeting. If that's what caused my child to be like that, I quit. And he asked God to forgive him. And then after he got that done, all that taken care of, the preacher reached over and laid his hands on that baby, and right before their eyes, that little leg straightened right out straight, and that baby had become normal. That man was a great man of God. I knew him. That's awesome. But the average Christian today don't believe that. They don't believe being a Mason. I've talked to many a preacher and many a deacon in a church that have been Masons or are Masons. They say, Thurman, you don't know what you're talking about. But I guarantee I know what I'm talking about. I have read their books and studied them, and I know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to tell you, if I had a church that had deacons in it, If you was a, in fact, if I had a church and and which I do have right here, and you say I want to come to your church and I'm going to be a Mason, I'm going to tell you you're going to have to repent from that sin and get out of that, or I don't want you in this church. That's how serious I am about this. If I'm, I will sit down and explain it to you and talk to you. If you say no, you're wrong and they're right, then I'm going to say, okay, you go find yourself another church. I don't want you here because you ain't going to be nothing but a drag on this church. I'm serious about serving God, folks. I'm serious about holiness. I'm serious about up being upright. Because God said in His Word, if I'll be upright, He'll withhold no good thing from me. You know? And I think of all the people that came to me yesterday that I prayed for. People that had pain and suffering. When I pray for those people, when Ty prays for those people, when we pray for those people as a team, we want God to show up and do something. And we know if we're walking in sin, he ain't going to do it. That's why we want to walk in the God kind of love. That's why we pray and we meet and we talk and we do everything we can to walk in love 24-7. Because we want people. In fact, Cheryl asked me yesterday. She said, this is the biggest healing school you have ever had. I said, that's true. She said, you know why? I said, absolutely, I know why. I said, last month at the time the healing school started, I had about 25 or 30 people. The time it was over, I might have had 50. And so all month I have prayed. Lord, you said, ask anything and it's done. I said, Lord, I'm asking you to fill this place up next, the the second Saturday. I'm asking you to bring people from all over the country. I said, you can do it. You told me to ask. And I said, then when you bring them, heal them. I said, hit them with the anointing of the Holy Ghost and change their lives forever. Make their trip worth coming here. I said, Lord, I prayed and I prayed. And yesterday, this place, I don't think we had an empty seat in the house all day yesterday. It was full. I got here at 1 o'clock and there's already people standing in line to get in. I thought, wow, that ain't happened in a long time. (laughs) But now what does that tell you? I had not been praying enough. I need to pray more. I I I hadn't spent enough time praying. Stand. We've got to stand. If we don't have mercy on people, God's not going to have mercy on you. If you were a kind of a man or a woman and you didn't have mercy on someone and you come down with a sickness and disease and you come to him asking for mercy, what did he say he will give you? Judgment. Somebody say, God wouldn't do me like that. He just said he would right there in the book. Didn't he? So you've got pain and suffering in your body. Maybe there was somebody you had no mercy over. Maybe somebody you should have shown mercy to and you didn't. No. I mean, yeah, that guy came to me. He gives examples as we go on down the word. Guy comes to you and says, You know, I'm hungry. I don't have no money. I need something to eat. You say, Oh, well, go in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be blessed. Be blessed and be well fed and be well clothed. And go on. You're going to be okay. You know what the Lord says about that kind of faith? You ain't got any. He said, You don't have no faith if you do that. He says, that man comes in that door and he ain't got no clothes. You're to give him some clothes. He said, if he ain't got nothing to eat, you're to take it down and feed him. He said, you're to meet his need. Just like the other day when I pulled down the road up here, man come over there, I was pulling in to take some people that I picked up at a train station to, go to a, come to a healing school the next day. It was Friday. And I was sitting out in front of the hotel down here talking to him. And a guy walked up and tapped on the window. I turned around and looked at this guy standing there. I rolled the window down and said, yes, sir. He said, I've got three children and I'm out of a job. He said, I'm, I'm going to go to work Thursday. Could you give me $2 to buy a couple of hamburgers for my kids? I looked at him. I said, no. He started turning to walk off. I said, hey, I just said I wouldn't give you $2. I said, come back here. I reached my billfold and I handed him a whole lot more than two. He said, Wow. I said, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Somebody said, maybe he's just lying to you. Hey, all I know, I gave that in the name of Jesus. It's his problem now. It ain't mine. i blessed him. What did God tell you to do? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, then what if I judge that man? I don't show him no mercy. Maybe I might go the next day, and maybe I need something. And God says, oh, you didn't help him yesterday, so forget it. See, God looks on everybody's heart. You want to know why sometimes you don't get answer to your prayers? You need to go back and see when you didn't show mercy to someone. The Scripture clearly says right there: if you don't show mercy, you will not get mercy. Is it? Reckon we ought to be merciful to people? If you want to, you think there'll ever be a time in your life when you might need mercy? I got a feeling if you don't show people mercy, I can guarantee you won't be long till you'll need that mercy. You know what it could be? So you're not a merciful person. And then you're just like me and Cheryl last night when we we're leaving. We left here. or Actually, it was three o'clock in the morning when we left the restaurant early, wasn't it, Ty? I guess something yeah. like that. I'm driving down the road over yonder, and of course, unfortunately, the drunk people are all over the roads now. You know, I didn't realize how many of them were out there. They're working on that 35 up through there, and they got them little rubber things about that tall standing up all along the side of the road. I'm watching real close to make sure I don't hit one of them things, and I'm driving 60 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I'm getting close to turn to go under, to go up on 635, and I look up, and there's one of them beasts that tall standing in the right, in my lane, right in front of the right headlight. What can I do? I can't pull to the left. Ain't no place to go. I can't go to the right. There's cars all over the place. So I just said, Jesus, bam. Hit that thing dead on. I said, thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. I said, we're okay. I went ahead and pulled up on that thing. That car leveled out. That, mean, that front end was shaking, doing all kinds of stuff. I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You promised you'd take care of us if we'd walk in obedience to your Word. And I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, thank you. You promised that nothing evil would happen to us. You promised to send your angels and give them charge over. Thank you, Lord, that my car ain't got a den on it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. And man, that car leveled out, smoothed out. We drove a 60 mile an hour. The rest of the home show said, tire going down? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I said, it's driving beautiful. See, took my hand off the wheel, just pulled it, just straight. This morning, I went out there and looked, not a mark on top, underneath, a side, nowhere on my car. But I hit that thing dead on and sticking up there, that tall. But I'm going to tell you that when God says He'll watch over His, that do His business, that's the same way that night I was going on; I just spent all evening with a man till midnight, or nearly midnight, 10, 11 o'clock, and I'd stayed at work and led a lost man to Christ that night. Changed his life forever. And I'm on 407 going home, when four, I mean the uh, 114, 114 was just two little lanes. I'm out on the other side of Roanoke and I'm driving 55 miles an hour and there's a great big ICU m- m- unit right behind me at 10 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden I look in front of me and I'm driving down the road listening to my CDs on the Lord, on the Word of God. And I look up in front of me and my headlights, I had them on the dim, there was three great big buck deer, 10, 12-point bucks, walking nose to tail across the road, and it was solid across 11, I mean 114. I said, Jesus, and hit the brake. And man, that one deer, I hit him head on. Knocked him plumb off in the ditch and broke his neck and killed him instantly. And I pulled off to the side of the road. And uh, that was an 83 Ford pickup back in those days. And the whole front end is plastic. And I pulled off to the side of the road. I hit that booger. Bam! I heard it. I pulled off. I said, Lord, thank you that you watch over me and protect me. I mean, I just, I hit the brake. We sort of grabbing my, I don't have to. Uh, that pickup didn't have a, a portable uh, didn't have a, a CD player in it, so I had to buy one. It was sitting there, a cassette player and everything. It's sitting there in the seat. I reached over and grabbed it to hold it when I hit the brake. And of course, I had a seat belt on. But when I pulled over and stopped, it, I see you turned on all these lights, pulled around in front of me. Got a great big old flash, I come out, Jumped across the road. Went over. He said, "Wow, that's a big buck. You really killed him." He said, "Let's go look at your truck. See how bad it's tore up." I said, there "Ain't gonna be nothing wrong with my truck." Oh, he said, "Yeah, sure." He walked over and he took that flashlight and he looked all over the front of my truck. He said, this ain't the truck you hit that deer with. (laughs) He said, I saw you hit that deer with this truck. I said, sir, I'm an obedient Christian. I walk in obedience to God's Word. And he promised to send his angels and give them charge over me and no evil shall befall me. I said, that's a promise from God. I said, that's why I don't have a scratch on my pickup. Well, the next morning when it was daylight, I went out there and really looked it over good. And right across the front of the chrome on that hood, the hood is a little bitty chrome strip about that wide. It goes right across the front. And right in front of me, there was one little tiny ding where one of the horns hit right there. And that's the only mark on that pickup. There wasn't a piece of plastic or nothing broke on the front end of that pickup. I've seen people at fifty miles an hour hit a buck deer that totally wipes out the thing plumb to the dash. I mean wipes it. hood, fender, grill, bumper, everything, haven't you? Does it pay good dividends to do what God says in his word? Yes. Does it pay good dividends to walk upright before the king? Yes. Did he say he'd send his angels to give them charge over you and no evil would befall you? Yes. Now Amen. And that's Paul. He's made a promise to God. He's going to memorize that. You may have it already done. Pretty close. You're getting there. But when the Lord told us, if you don't show mercy, what if I had not shown mer- What if I hadn't stayed there and helped win that man to Jesus that night? I'd have just said, you know, you're just an old... You're not worth saving anyway. I'd just leave you here. You don't, I ain't going to waste my time spending no time with you. You, know, you ain't worth being saved. You're just an old wicked guy anyway. No mercy. I'd have went home that night. Guess what had happened to my truck? I didn't show him no mercy. When that deer ran out in that road, God said, oh, you didn't show him no mercy, and I'm not going to show you any. I said I wouldn't right here. I'll judge you. See, we don't believe this book. When somebody has a need, we need to show them mercy. Don't we? Remember. If you don't show them mercy, you will get no mercy yourself. You will be judged. Nobody likes to be judged, and a lot of people don't realize why they are judged and why sickness and disease comes upon them. And they pray and beg and plead with God, and He never does anything for them. You go back and find out in your life what you've done wrong, and you repent of that sin and get right and I guarantee God's promises are yes and amen to you. And He will heal you and set you free. He'll do it every time. Won't He?
0: Yes,
1: He will. He promises it. Yes, He promises it. That's why we want to teach you how to walk in obedience to God's Word. We'll teach you how to walk in love. Because we teach you what the Word says... So he says, what does it profit my brother? And though a man say he has faith, and if you have not works, your faith. You actually, what is he's saying there? You have dead faith. If you don't help people, if you don't have actions, and of course let me tell you something else he's talking about there. When you're prayed for, if you've got a problem, you need to start walking out of your problem as quickly as you can. You need to start doing something you couldn't do before. You need to prove to the devil that you believe the Word of God. In other words, if you've got a pain, I think about Johnny Brumfield. Again, that that guy was a black guy. I hardly ever tell that about him because he's a man. But he was happened to be a black man. Johnny Brumfield down there in Manny, Louisiana, when I went up and prayed for him, that man had seal braces from his waist down to his ankles and... He had a tree fall across a tractor 21 months ago he was driving, and it had crushed both of his legs. And although they'd done surgery, the doctor said he ain't never going to walk again. I went up there that night and knelt down in front of that man and asked him if he believed God's Word. He said, I do. I said, Jesus said in John 14:13 that I can ask the Father in the name of Jesus anything, He'll do it for me. I said, do you believe that? He said, I do. He said, if God said it in the Word, that's good. That he was a Baptist. That's one thing about Baptists. They've been taught to believe. If God said it, they believe it. That's a good thing about Baptists, you know. I mean, they, they believe what they read. And so I told him, I said, I'm going I'm to pray the prayer of faith for you and God's going to heal you. And I prayed the prayer of faith for him. And I said, now you believe it? He said, I do. I said, then take that steel off and let's stand up and walk. See, we've got to do something. Tuck the steel off. I reached up and grabbed him and jerked him. Of course, when I did, oh, he said, oh, oh it hurts. I said, I know it's going to hurt. The devil's going to make it hurt. But I said, don't believe him. Just walk. And I jerked him and he come on and after I jerked him three times that guy's walking and I was able to turn him loose and that guy is running up and down the church and he's still completely healed to this day. Running and playing. Two years later Johnny Brumfield's healed. In fact that lawyer in New York, when he called me and wanted me to come up there, he said, Do you have any names of anybody that's received these miracles or healings that you talk about that I can talk to? I just happened to give him Johnny Brumfield's name. He said, What did he get from God? And I told him, he said, that's unbelievable. I said, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You can't go there. His name was David, too. I said, David, you can't go there. You've got to believe. And so I gave him the phone number. So he called, and he got Johnny's wife. And he said, you know, we're thinking about having Thurman Scrivener up here. And he said he'd come down there and pray for Johnny, and he got a miracle. Could you tell me what it is? And what she told him. Now, he's a lawyer, see. I didn't know this either to that. So he hung up the phone, and a little later he called back and happened to get Johnny's son. And he told him, said, you know, I, I'd like to confirm a miracle I heard happened to your dad. Would you tell me what happened? And he told him. And then a little later, he called back and got Johnny. And after he talked to his wife, his son, and Johnny, and three times, about three people, he said, hey, this is real. I mean, he, this is real. Well, see, he's a lawyer. He's got to have proof. He's got to have proof. But everybody he called confirmed what I had told him had happened. And so they had us up there to speak in New York, and God did some wonderful things in their church. The the word, the people that are here today that are in the church, we don't really believe these promises. We kind of read this book like a novel. You know, we read down where it says, Now don't judge, or you should be judged. You know, if you don't show mercy on people I won't have no mercy on you, and when it comes time for you to need mercy, instead of giving you mercy, I'll judge you. We No, God wouldn't do me like that. I'm His favorite pet. He said, "I got news for you. I don't have any favorite pets." But Lord, I'm that rich man here. I got millions, and I'm giving it to the church. He said, "I don't. That don't move my hand at all." He said, "I have no respect to persons." I don't care if you're rich or poor. And he said, you're to judge them the same way. He said, it don't make it easier. If somebody gives a dollar to your church or a million dollars to your church, you're to teach and you're to treat every one of them exactly the same way. You're to show no favoritism. Somebody comes in, don't give a dime to your church. I still treat you just exactly like I do to the people that support this ministry. Because, hey, if I don't, God's not going to show me no mercy. And the day's coming when I'm going to need it. I know. Just like this morning. I needed mercy this morning when I drove that car to town, Shelly. <laughs> I, I, when I looked up and saw that, I thought, oh! You got, you know, y'all know what I mean. Every one of y'all been there and done something like that. You broke the law or you're driving down the road and, and you're not paying attention to your speedometer and all of a sudden you look up and there's a police officer down there. Immediately first thing you do is look at the speedometer. Is that right, Keith? Is that the way we are? I know that's the way I am. And if I look down there and it says 50 and and I'm driving 60, oh, oh, oh my
0: goodness, I know that guy's going to get me.
1: I know I'm guilty. I know I've transgressed the law I know I've sinned. I know I'm guilty. Well, let's, let's stop transgressing the law. Let's walk in love and do what God says and let's show mercy. And when people need mercy, let's give mercy so when we need it, He'll give it to us. Because the day going to come sooner or later when you're going to need mercy from the king. It will happen. And if you do, then he will do exactly what he said here in his word. Don't have respect to persons. Because if you do, you're a sinner. You fall from grace. You transgress the law of God. Did you lose your salvation? No. No. No, you're still saved. You just fell from grace. The only difference between being in grace and being under the law... Is the demons of hell have legal right to you under the law, under grace, you're walking in love, and they have no power over you. Boy, that's good news. It's worth the cost. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for the things that you show us in your Word. We thank you for the depths of the revelation that you reveal the Word of God to us so we can discuss it and talk about it, so we can walk where you plan for us to walk. And we want to walk there, Lord. We want to walk in love. We want to do what you say. And, Lord, thank you for being our Lord, our God, our strength, our healer, our provider, our everything. We are so grateful that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we worship you, Lord, because you are the King. Now, Lord, everybody that has a need, Lord, if there's anybody here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I ask you to send the Holy Ghost to convict them of sin and bring them into the kingdom of God and save them today. Anybody here needs to be prayed for for healing, I ask you to touch their bodies as we pray for them and have mercy on them, Lord, and meet their needs. That everybody, everybody that comes up for prayer, their needs will be met as they repent of their sins so that they can go away knowing that the King of Kings shows up at His ministry at the Living Savior Church. That He is Lord. He is God. He is in control of this church and this ministry. And, Lord, we thank you and praise you for being our Lord and our God and meeting all the people's needs, saving and healing and delivering. them. And we worship you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name. If you need any of the media back there, everything that's back there is free, get your sack, take anything you want, as much as you want. There's no limits. When you're here in church or in the healing school, you can take all you want. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, all you got to do is come up here. We will minister to you. I will be here. Cheryl will be here. Ty will be here. His Cheryl will be here. We'll be here to pray the prayers of faith for y'all to either lead you into the kingdom or pray a prayer for whatever your need is. We will be here. And if you have no needs, then you're,
0: you're welcome to stand
1: around and talk or look at the media or whatever you want to do or just talk to each other or go home. But if you need prayer,
0: we invite you to come forth right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father.